What's up, guys? Here with you in FC Wonder Kid, episode 132. Here with my guy, Bretson. How are you? I am uh, about as good as Kylian Mbappe scoring the 13th goal against Gibraltar as if it was the first goal he ever scored. That's how giddy and excited <laughs> I am to be here. What a goal it was. I don't know if it was actually the 13th, but we all lost count, did we not? Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm as good, too, Alex, as probably you are, knowing that Portugal walked, walked through the Euro qualifiers right into pot one, the first team to do it next to the hosts, Germany. So you got to be eyeing up that early December draw for the Euros, are you not? I am, I am, but realistically, I must be afraid of France, though, maybe, because France are okay. going bold, and I can tell you people, in episode 132, a lot of facts about international football and evaluating transfers will be happening, so don't forget to like this video, it's such a huge help on, on YouTube for FC Wonder Kid, and go bold in the comment section. But the question that everyone's asking, or a lot of people, in the, in the X-Sphere are asking it's who will be the top goal scorer of 2023? And currently, in this race, we have mm -hmm. Erling Haaland with 48 goals, Harry Kane with 48 goals, Christian Ronaldo with 46, Kylian Mbappe with 46, and Kane and Haaland got 48 goals and 11 assists. And what's crazier yep. is Kane did this with six less games than Erling Haaland. So both for 48 That's goals and 11 assists. Mad numbers. What are you thinking here, Preston? <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to take Erling Haaland out of the running as of right now. I am. Um, uh, for him, uh, I, I think the momentum is shifting a little bit for him. I think it's been more um, Manchester's depth, Manchester's, uh, well, they're going to need him. But I don't know if they're going to need him near the end of the year. Um, mm. And Norway's not really going to be playing from here on out, right? England, we know, has uh, has one more game. Um, and Holland's already out of that. Uh, so I'm going to say, I think the early leader for me, and I, I, I think I've alluded to this over the last few episodes as we've kind of started to wade our way into this subject, mm. I think it's going to be Harry Kane. Uh, because there's a lot of fixtures heading up before they shut things down for the winter, um, more than I thought last week. And I, I believe he's going to be able to put some uh, padding ahead of who I think will wind up second, and that's Cristiano Ronaldo with Kylian Mbappe um, in third above Erling Haaland in fourth. That's mm, my guess. Fourth in the top goal-scoring list of 2023. That is a bold yep. take, putting Haaland at fourth. I'm going to say... Yep. I'm going to go bold and say the top goal scorer of 2023 will be Christian Ronaldo, okay? I know it's a weaker league in the Saudi league, but what he's doing at 38 to have 46 goals and double digits assist too, it's absolutely mad in my view, okay? And yes, Mbappé, a couple of, a week ago, Kylian Mbappé had like what? 43 goals. So Kylian Mbappé, yeah. if he's in the right form, that he could be, he could be the top goal scorer of 2023. And the best thing that Kylian Mbappé could do after losing that World Cup final would be to answer and to say, I am the top goal scorer of 2023. From here on out, I'm going to be the best player in the world. And that would make Real Madrid be in a tough position to get Kylian Mbappé 100%. But now, Real Madrid yeah. are the A-side. 
They're the A side yeah. with Hendrik even being called up too. But oh my. Harry Kane uh, uh, and Erling Haaland. Mm-hmm. Who, who mm-hmm. by the end of the season, though, do you think will be the top goal Ooh. scorer? Because I know by 2023, uh, you're saying Haaland fourth. But like Harry yeah. Kane, by going to Bayern Munich, the right move, mm-hmm. by now being the captain of England, the symbol of an England striker. <laughs> what do you think here? I I think this is where the uh, quote-unquote weaker league comes into play, which is why I, I still think Harry Kane is going to be the uh, higher goal scorer this, this season. I, I just don't think that um, Manchester City necessarily needs Holland to hit for 42 again. Was it 42? Did I get mm-hmm. that right? Um, mm-hmm. I just don't think that that is necessary for him. I know Erling Holland wants to, um, but when it when it really – if we're looking at the difference in squads, um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it is uh, Erling Holland uh, putting, what is it, you know, three against. They, they're up against Liverpool, I think, mm-hmm. this coming week Ooh, uh, in, in their re-entry back into the Premier League. And instead, you've got, you know, Bacham, you've got Freiburg, you've got Mines, you've got. Uh, I'm killing all these. I know these names. You've got Darmstadt, Heidenheim. And actually, kudos to Heidenheim. They've had a relatively decent uh, run of form as of late. But Harry Kane, I think, is going to have himself some fun without exerting too much sweat. Um, at, at the very least, I think Harry Kane is going to uh, beat Holland uh, and others uh, on the total goal involvements when it comes down mm-hmm. to it as well, because he's just every part of that fabric. Um, but, you know, it, it comes down to whether or not he keeps his health. And he's well. the right team. Um, and he's the right team to put those right numbers. Team. And a, and a, a mm. easier league than Erling Haaland, too. That uh, of all fourth, if we see the top goal scorers in 2023 with Haaland, Mbappé, Cristian Ronaldo, and Kane, Haaland is the one mm-hmm. with the toughest league, but he's got the best team. The one that has the easiest league is Cristian Ronaldo. So everything is open right now. But let us know down below what are your choices for who will be the top goal scorer of 2023. And since we're mentioning Kylian Mbappé, I think it makes total sense to say what happened in that game against Gibraltar. 14-0! France beat Gibraltar. And look, this is the pure, the biggest statement, okay? I know it's Gibraltar. Mm-hmm. But France had a golden generation in 1998 with Zinedine Zidane, Patrick Vieira, many stars. The new golden generation has arrived now, now in 2023, with Kylian Mbappé as captain leading the way. A player that has won the World Cup. He has been in another World Cup in a final, and he scored in the, a hat-trick in that final. He represents the club. No, the, the nation. Kylian Mbappé is the most talented player. He's the leader and the best player in international football. He's got 19 games, 21 goals, and six assists this season. It's now. Yeah, it's, it's now. And France are yeah. the favorites to win the Euros in 2024. Mas nós vamos ganhar. Mas nós vamos ganhar. And we can, we can say it is Gibraltar, but it was also Gibraltar without a piece of the rock, if you will. Uh, they were missing one man uh, who went down pretty early on, so it was a 10-man Gibraltar that they they completely tore apart. And when it, when it we, we do mm-hmm. see lopsided results like this. We do. Mm-hmm. But then we also see uh, sides like Gibraltar uh, give uh, teams like Portugal a really good um, shout. Liechtenstein. No, they, they had a great game against true. you guys. First I'm half, not saying you shouldn't have. 
Yeah, Great first off. but when it comes down, but when we're looking at this mm-hmm. in the form of how good France has been since 1998, obviously before that with Platini and uh, and and others. Um, when we look at the history of France, and then we look at it and we say, this is the biggest win in national team history. This is also the biggest win by any team in Euro qualifying history. Mm. And you have to at least give them a pat on the shoulder for this. And Kylian Mbappe, whether it was his first goal, his third goal, his first goal or his third assi- or his first assist or his third assist, Kylian Mbappe was um, enjoying this as if he was scoring this um, mm-hmm. at the Balmanera. Um, you know, and I, I think a lot of that just goes to show um, this new generation that's coming in. It, that type of mentality is going to feed into and already has into a guy like Warren Zaire Emery, well, right? So. Who, unfortunately, on the day, uh, makes history by being the youngest. Warren Zaire Emery was the youngest in over 100 years to take the field for Les Bleus. Now, think about this footballing history, right? And he is also then became the youngest in over 100 years to score for Les Bleus. And think about all the names that have come before him. And then the only downside of the day. It's still a success. But the only downside of the day was that he had to leave, unfortunately, because he sacrificed himself to score that goal. But you've got Kylian Mbappe leading the way. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got the depth on display. I mean, Jean-Claire Todibo, Very a guy true. that was seen as the future, and then written off for a couple years when he was dealing with injuries and whatnot, still only 23 years old, exactly. comes in and, and, and just plays you know, a wonderful game. And he's got a future with Les Bleus again because the depth is insane in France. And, it is insane. And Todibo is in, in the team that has the less goals conceded in the top six leagues, if we count the, the French league. Yep. Right now, Nice only has, I think, three, four goals conceded in the league. That is absolutely Crazy. mad. And Todibo... With Dunt next to him are the leaders and the orchestrators mm-hmm. of that uh, achievement. But yes, we're mentioning France here. And yes, what Warren Zaire Emery is doing. A future midfield with... And it's it's kind of ironic that these three players are also injured too. Chuameni, Kamavinga, and Warren Zaire Emery. All three injured right now. But all three, for me, are the starters of the French national team um, midfield. Okay, they're, the, they're mm-hmm. on... Real. And I want to mention this too. Kylian Mbappé is 24 and right now he's got 300 goals scored in his career. 227 was for Paris Saint-Germain, which we can say right now he's one of the best players ever of that club. Mm -hmm. 46 goals were scored for the French national team in which he's won a World Cup and he's been in a final two. And I believe Kylian Mbappé will surpass Olivier Giroud. Still, mm-hmm. while he plays with Olivier Giroud. Because right now, oh. Giroud has 56 goals scored and Mbappé has 46. And Giroud uh. knows he wouldn't have 56 and if, he d- if he didn't have Kylian Mbappé and Griezmann next to him, providing him so well. So I do think uh. there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a, lot of u- there's a unified group in this French national team. And it's all sacrificing towards the best player, which is Kylian yep. Mbappé. And for people to get a perspective, at 24, Cristiano Ronaldo had 160 goals. Messi had 279 goals. And Kylian Mbappé has 300 goals. So Kylian Mbappé has the potential to have one of the best careers ever. Or if not the best career ever. He's got to surpass Ronaldo and Messi. Bold stakes. But that can happen, okay? But definitely, I wanted to mention this. Kylian Mbappé, Mm -hmm. for me... 
I am very sure. I think he's going to surpass Neymar's legacy. Neymar's legacy was unreal, especially in his prime at Barca. And when he goes at number 10 for PSG, he does a great prime there too. But what Kylian Mbappé can achieve, if he does the right decision, the next club that we all know is Real Madrid, mm -hmm. this is the consistency that he needs to be a top player. Ronaldo needed the Real Madrid years to be considered one of the best ever. Kylian Mbappé needs just that. Needs just that. That's what needs. So for. you're 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 telling me you're not buying into the rumblings that Kylian Mbappe is technically not going to Real Madrid. He loses. There's been a few. He loses, yeah. mate. Uh, like yeah, Real Madrid yeah. or don't Real Madrid have Rodrigo, Vini, yeah. Hendrik, and they still can get a Kvaratskhelia. They can convince and Holland too. Kylian Mbappe's best chance to win a Ballon d'Or will be lost. If he doesn't go to Real Madrid, I, I completely believe this. He cannot let that happen. Yep. He needs to underpay. The, he needs to accept a contract of 35, 40 million Kylian Mbappé if that's the case that Real Madrid is offering. It's not about the numbers. Mm -hmm. It's not about the number and the money. It's about mm -hmm. winning titles and legacy. He knows. Well, well. Let's see. Well, uh, uh, but the next year. Mm -hmm. um, is also the Ballon d'Or fight is going to come down to international as well. When you've got Copa Agreed. America again, when you've got, uh, well, Copa America expanded now, but you've also got the Euros in Germany. Uh, you've got AFCON early on in the year. Mm -hmm. um, so France is also going to have to play uh, well, which obviously puts, say, even if Erling Haaland does become the top goal scorer at the end of 2023 and at the beginning of 2024, mm -hmm. um, it's Norway's fully out. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, it just goes to show you, yes, uh, it really does come down to what is Kylian Mbappe's uh, next decision. And you're right. The ambitious decision is to move on. I think the, the, the decision of the heart would be to stay at PSG and fight. But to be honest, mm -hmm. I really do feel like Kylian Mbappe is keeping a a couple strikers back uh, at, um, mm -hmm. at PSG. And, and the way Luis Enrique plays, um, there's a couple really good strikers that had really good money spent on them. Randall Colo Mouani, I know some people think he's overrated. He's certainly not worth as much uh, as before, and we'll get to this. And Gonzalo Ramos have really not even gotten much of a shout mm -hmm. or a lick when it comes to these shots because everything is focal on mm -hmm. Kylian Mbappe. Um, and it's going to be that way as long as he's there, because why not? It's uh, it all seems to be clicking. But my be. goodness, um, and, Fran and France fourteen, Gibraltar zero, and we haven't even talked about the glue uh, of this French team that's going to continue into Germany, um, and that is Antoine Griezmann, mm -hmm. right? Who was just surpassed by Kylian Mbappe on the all-time scoring list, but also uh, continued to add to his all-time assists leading record and think about the the playmakers that have been within this French side and you've got Griezmann up at the top at, with his 30th assist uh and moving ever higher um so uh, it really is looking like uh France I don't know if they're pole position right now in my favor for Euro champions um but there's no way you can't put them Top three. One or two. I think France yeah, are, are pole position in my view, too. And it's England yeah. and Portugal, second and third. I think that's the uh, case yeah. right now. And I know, people, you got Netherlands. We have Belgium. We have other teams that are making themselves be in that discussion. But right now, I go with that as the top three. England, 
France, mm-hmm. um, yeah, England, France, and Portugal. And I mentioned Portugal <laughs> here. <laughs> I just wanted mm-hmm. to give a special credit here to that Fabrizio Romano all of a sudden has exposed to the world Drone Evsh. Immediately, yep. once he says that scouts were in attendance to watch Drone Evsh play, immediately, like, Drone Evsh is one of the most talked players in the world of football. Deservingly, yep. in my view, okay? If you don't know about Drone Evsh, you're living under a rock. But here in Portugal, we're seeing a phenom rising from the ashes. Drone Evsh was the, t- the best player against Porto and now was the best player against Sporting Zhonevs. Most duels mm-hmm. won, most interceptions, most uh, touches, most passes. Zhonevs' impact is unreal. And that's why he was called up for Portugal and he's not leaving anymore, okay? I am so hyped for this, Bretton, because Zhonevs, yeah. it's hard work, it's talent, and it's intelligence emotionally and tactically in terms of raw talent this is one of the best midfielders i've ever seen in my life here in portugal in an immediate impact leaving academy Mm. football it's been immediate and phenomenal to watch what roger schmidt has done with dronevs in a short period of time and that's why we see Uh, the united news and what's what's amazing is um you know i don't i don't mean to toot our horn, um, you know, much mm-hmm. louder. But you're right. Fabrizio gives it a whole other platform. But obviously, you've been talking about him for a very long time. Um, and it, it mm-hmm. might have been stunted, right? His ascendancy might not have come if Enzo did not make that, I wouldn't call it a hurried exit, uh, but it was a pretty truncated period of time that he spent at Benfica mm-hmm. before moving to Chelsea. But if that did not happen, there, there might not have been room um, in that midfield, just with all the different midfielders that mm-hmm. coming off that season they had, um, that very well might have been down the pecking order. So without uh, Enzo, sometimes w- without Enzo yeah. leaving, Jonevs wouldn't have been in the Benfica team in January for yeah. sure, a hundred percent. And the fact that Roger Schmidt was like, "No, we're not getting another midfielder," because he knew was going he was gonna get Kokshu in the summer, but he had that yeah. the the courage to stall that Kokshu deal until the summer and getting Dronevs and putting it up. He's an anomaly right now. An anomaly. <laughs> Nobody was expecting in a short period of time Dronevs to be where he's at right now. So keep on going. And what I like mo- the most about him is the seek of knowledge. This is why I really believe Dronevs is a top talent. If you find someone that is constantly curious and loves what they do, that is that is an elite elite thing to have and Joe Neves has it so people you have been warned once again here in the Portugal talk because Portugal right now has nine wins 34 goals scored and two conceded with Roberto Martinez in this era we see more of Antonio Silva we see more of Diogo Costa we see now Joe Neves we see the youth and the future present too so keep going bold Roberto Martinez and let us be the favorites, not Vimshir's favorites to win the years. We should be the favorites next to France because we got the, the, collector, the collection of talents and we have many more coming up in Befica, Porto, Sporting, Braga, Guimarães. A lot of talents here in Portugal. So keep going, bold people. And yeah, this, well, uh, the propaganda is here. <laughs> the propaganda is here, but the, the, the side shout-out has to be for the Wolves contingent that I believe finally had their first caps, right? Mm. Toti Gomez, 
started against Liechtenstein for Portugal. Mm -hmm. Was that his first, first? That was his first cap. Was that first his debut? Starts. Nice. And and I was surprised to see that it was Jose Saz. Was that his first start? First, first, first and only okay, start. So both first competitive starts. Wow. I mean, it makes it makes sense just because. Well, he's a great player in the, but, in the uh, prem. To see Tochi Gomez, only 24 years old, he's been good for Wolves, who uh, have been making some waves recently. Um, uh, and you got to give credit credit to him. But yeah, uh, I think what a lot of people are going to say um, about mm -hmm. the nine and zero uh, and and the the little run through the forest of uh, that was Euro Championship qualifying mm -hmm. um, is going to be the quality of the opponent that's around him. Um, that's true. In in past years, you would have expected Bosnia to be much stronger. Mm -hmm. uh, I have never been. There's been a lot of disappointments in this Euro qualifying squad, uh, or this Euro qualifying for 2024. Bosnia is pretty dang high up there. Norway, obviously, is number one. But there's mm -hmm. a little minnow within your qualifying group, within Portugal's qualifying group, that has to be given a little love here, especially on our podcast, our podcast, because Luxembourg, Luxembourg, after nine, have four wins. Three losses and two draws. This is one of the tiniest nations in all of Europe. Um, and they have their little golden generation going on right now um, where they have managed four wins um, and have fared very, very well. And they actually have an outside shot to qualify for Germany next happen. summer. And just, just just imagine that. I mean, that, that would be... Um, That'd be pretty amazing uh, it's true. Uh, in, in all in all respects. But uh, they just dispatched Bosnia over the weekend. And it was like it, it was I didn't know who the minnow was. <laughs> I had no clue who the minnow was. And they, they have a young uh, core. It's Matias Olesen. It's uh, Leandro Barrero. Mm -hmm. um, who's the other one? There's another midfielder. Um, get get Gelson. Mm -hmm. Gelson Rodriguez. Gerson Rodriguez. I'm, yep. I'm telling you, this can continue for a little while longer. This tiny, uh, you know, populous country uh, within Europe that normally is at the bottom where Liechtenstein is um, <laughs> and uh, ultimately doing things that I we didn't think was possible, right? Well Four wins in a Euro qualifier. So just got to give a little, little love there before we move on to the bigger teams. But it's been phenomenal to watch. It's true. Really, it's really true. Cool. And going with the group, I just wanted some and, – and what you said about Bosnia is totally right – Long yep. gone are the days that we saw Prime Dzeko and Prime Pjanic, yep. okay? Things are <laughs> changing for Bosnia, and we see it in this group. But I just wanted to say for the listeners at home, the list of players under 23, Portugal list of players, is absolutely oh, yeah. stacked. João Félix, Rafael Leão, Diogo Dalot, Diogo Costa, Pedro Neto, Vitinha, Gonçalo Ramos, Gonçalo Inácio, Nuno Mendes, Antonio Silva, João Neves, Rodrigo Gomes, we can add many other players, but keep going bold, Portugal. Nós, isto é só o começo. Yeah. But going, and with, a young, and, and with the underrated nations, I want to give a shout-out to, to Romania, which Romania qualified yes. for the Euros 2024, which they beat Israel. I love to see that. And George Aggie, son, scored the match mm -hmm. winner for Romania. So it's, yeah. it's in the blood, and they deserve to be there. Shout out to Yanizagi for doing just that for Romania. I loved Ab to see that game. Romania. Uh, <laughs> I uh, abso absolutely. I mean, um, George Puskas, uh, you've got Yanis Haji, you've got uh, mm -hmm. Morotan, you've got a, a bunch of these guys, Andre Ivan, a bunch of these guys that um, were considered 
they were going to be and and take over as like the next coming of mm-hmm. Georgie Haji, right? Ooh. And it it didn't exactly materialize um, the way they so uh, saw it. But the fact is, they're in the they're in Europe next season, um, or they're in the Euros next season, and they've actually got some young guys that I would expect to see, or hopefully we want to see mm-hmm. on that roster, like Bonza. Uh, Bonza is the, the probably the biggest one. He's a fullback, absolutely phenomenal. Andre Bonza, mm-hmm. I believe he was signed by Brighton, uh, picked out by Brighton, <laughs> um, and uh, was sent back on loan. So there you go. Once again, that scouting department. But Romania, that was a heck of a surprise. Kazakhstan, Alex is still. In in the running for this mm. um and uh but but i don't think there's been more surprising qualification campaigns than two right scotland scotland <laughs> and hungary Scott McTominay involved with that seven games seven goals <laughs> it's unbelievable in such a tush, tough group too mm-hmm. um they all they, they beat spain they've beaten norway I, I think they beat norway both times maybe mm-hmm. um but not even a flinch at those types of of um, opponents, and they go in there and they they qualify relatively handily. I, I'm really interested to see what they can put together um, in the tournament uh, after everybody scouts them for the next six to seven months uh, and figures out what they do really really well and what what they can exploit. But I think bigger than that is how good Hungary has been, oh. how good they have come oh, up, oh, oh, and oh, oh. how big of a player. Dominic Soboslai has uh, become for them. This kid at 23 years old has captained their side, uh, scored two goals over the weekend um, to essentially let Serbia in to the tournament, even after a terrible qualifying campaign for them. And after 42 years of not making the Euros, they have now made three in a row. Oh. Um, and it tells you, it tells you that something is brewing. At Hungary, I'm not saying it's the return of Puskas, right, and a dominant Hungary uh, in all of Europe. Of but I'm saying, uh, yeah, I mean, Sobosla is going to be here to stay for a long period of time. Breton. It's just whether or not he remains healthy. Dominic Sobosla's yeah. debut for Hungary was in 2019, March 21st of 2019. Yeah, he's currently the captain yeah. of the Hungarian national team, and he's got 37 games at 23. Like you said, that is un real and such a short period of time he's got this legacy and right now in the euro qualifiers dominic shabazzlai has four goals and three assists he is the orchestrator Mm. of this happening and for me he's one of the best free kick takers in the world of football put james war prowse the chippy called up by southgate and dominic shabazzlai in that talk okay because he is just unreal and kvisha karatskelia he's in the group of spain and scotland i know george is not going to go through but Kvisha Kvaratskelia for Georgia has 27 games already, yeah. 14 goals and 7 assists. Like Shabazz Life for Hungary, Kvaratskelia yeah. for Georgia is that legend in the making. I love to see this. Trust the youth and the new legends in the making in Europe and all over the world too. We got, we got a couple. But, but between him, between uh, Kvaratskelia and Erling Haaland and Martin Odegaard and... Uh, any number of uh, Norwegian and Georgian players, we will not see them in Germany. There, in fact, is, I believe, no way for them to get in. No way. Uh, for those, no way. So for those that don't know, there is a way to get in via the Nations League. Mm-hmm. Even if you're Nations League C, B, or A, uh, a weaker opponent will get in. 
uh, if you're in C and all the way up to A. Um, and a lot of other clubs still have a hope uh, hinging on it. Uh, you remember four years ago, uh, it was a different way. It was generally, I think it was the second place teams or the best third place teams that would play each other in a playoff mm -hmm. to make it in. So um, it's just crazy to think Erling Holland will not be there uh, with a side that we've seen it's uh, Oscar Bob get better. Yes. Antonio Nusa get better. Uh, uh, Frederick Arsnes has become absolutely humongous for them. Um, it, it just it's another club. And we're going to talk about some others uh, mm -hmm. in other qualifying campaigns that it just shocks me that they weren't able to put this together. And for him, for Holland to go in and play against San Marino, but not play the final qualifier because he injured himself against San Marino. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make any sense no, for me. And, we, and, and he's going to be playing um, against Liverpool too. It doesn't make sense. And this is a Norway team with Arsens, with Odegaard, with Sander Berg, with Svernipan. Oh if you're an FM player, you I'm sure you know about you him go. already. At <laughs> Rosenberg, Anusa, which yep. is a great talent, Bob, and Oscar Bob. Bob Anusa. <laughs> yeah. Oscar Bob scored his first professional goal for the national team. Just like Kenyan Yildiz that scored his first professional goal for this national team for Turkey that he picked over Germany. He learned from Mesut Ozil who to pick. And yeah, because we all know those comments that <laughs> he said, we, we, yeah. we, can, we can make it in another sense. We can talk about that in another topic. But, but uh, I want to mention Uruguay though, Breton, in the national team talk. Because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the please, Uruguay please. rebuild is absolutely unreal with Marcelo Bielsa. Marcelo Bielsa mm. inspired a generation of managers, the top managers. I'm talking here like Guardiola manager. Okay, says that Bielsa was the best manager ever in his view in terms of philosophy. But because of Marcelo Bielsa, Marcelo's Bielsa Uruguay has beaten Argentina and Brazil for the first time since 1960. He beat Brazil and Argentina 2-0 both zero okay. goals conceded with players like Ronald Araujo, Ugart mm -hmm. in big, mm -hmm. big highlights. This is a new Uruguayan team with Captain Valverde, Galactico mm -hmm. Captain Valverde with Ugart that is one of the best CDMs in the world. And we see it with Uruguay. Ronald Araujo, one of the best center backs in the world. And I'm going to say Darwin Nunes, one of the best strikers, young strikers in the world, especially in counter-attacking football. Darwin Nunes, mm -hmm. because of his strength, because of his speed, because of his first touch shooting in counter-attacking mm -hmm. football, he's the best striker you can have. It's unreal what he does. Unreal. Well, it, it's... Uh, and, and Ugart and Valverde, uh, I mean, getting a little bit patronized by Leo Messi after the, after the fact, respect saying you should probably have more respect for your opponents, respect your elders... Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, it tells you that they, they got under his collar. They got under, you know, Messi's yep. collar, which is pretty pretty interesting to think about. And I, I, I'm going to say it um, because Ugart and uh, Ronald Araujo, mm -hmm. uh, if you can keep them healthy, keep them intact, um, and grow with them as a team and build around them with role players, I mean, that type of a spine is going to keep you in pretty much any match. You play. It's whether or not for me, Darwin Nunez turns into that razor sharp 
um, mm-hmm. you know, last five games, kicker, three goals like, to us? Lu- like Luis Suarez was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he he's starting probably this this next World Cup qualifier, uh, Suarez. But it, over the next three to five years, he has to mm-hmm. uh, turn into something, or another striker needs to uh, come in to at least make sure that all the pressure is not on Darwin Nunez's shoulders. Uh, but that needs to happen for them to consistently be a threat to Argentina and. Uh, Brazil in Conmebol, and then also in international no, big. It, well, let's be honest, in the World's Cup. No, it's um, for me but, right now, yeah. Bretson. I'm gonna say this: Uruguay for me are dark horses to win Copa America and to go bold and win the World Cup. Don't forget the first nation that ever won the World Cup here with Uruguay. I certainly won't forget Portugal when we face Suarez and Cavani. If Darwin Nunes, Valverde, Ronaldo Araujo. Are all in top form. We gotta respect mm-hmm. what is coming. And it's unreal the expectations with Marcelo Bielsa as the manager, too. So let's see if they can develop yep. and can improve because Uruguay beat a team of Argentina that was unbeaten 14 games. And in World Cup qualifiers, they were unbeaten 25 games. 25. And 2-0 yep. Yep. Uruguay win stops that. A Uruguay team and- with Captain Valverde at the helm. And for Leo Messi, that was the first time that he has started a match for them or something. I'm going to get this wrong. Since but November. The first time that he has started a match, yeah, for them, uh, where he has actually not put a ball in the back of the net, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> since, the World, since the World Cup. Since the World Cup. So I, I'm not worried about Argentina in qualifying. I, I'm not. Uh, although I'd Uruguay be, to beat them, I'd that be worried spe- about beating them at the Bomanera. Uh, but are we worried about Brazil? Oh, yeah, we are. Probably we? not. I am. You know, South America qualifying, they'll still get in. But currently, they're sitting in fifth place, I believe. They've got two wins, two losses, one draw. They've got Neymar out for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, they're simply not – I think they've conceded six goals. Six goals, which is kind of unlike them. Still under one a game or over one, a little over one a game. Um, but now they've lost Vinny. For a while, mm-hmm. right? Militao's out, out for too. At least a, a, a month or two, and no, Militao. Uh, so uh, it, it's it, it it was such a contrast what Brazil is going through right now, mm-hmm. and then what it was that happened on the other side of the pitch. Because this day was for Luis Diaz. This day was for Luis Diaz's father. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see the emotion, uh, to see the him score both goals mm-hmm. against Brazil, sink Brazil two to one. Um, and to, uh, or was it 2-zip? 2-1. Uh, 2-1. It was two, a remontada. Okay. It was a remontada ah. moment, which Luis Diaz scored two goals in five minutes. Luis this Diaz dedicated, dedicated the goal to his father, which both parents, yep. unfortunately, were kidnapped. Okay, in Colombia, yep. his father was kidnapped 12 days longer than the mother. It's so unfortunate that that was the case. But uh, Brazil, yeah. talking about Brazil, I think, honestly, yes. the worst federation in football in the world is the Brazil Federation. They failed. They failed to have top managers for Neymar. The, old, the best manager he had was Tite. And look, look at mm-hmm. Argentina as a comparison. If Scaloni wasn't the manager of Argentina, Messi probably wouldn't have won that World Cup and bet on Alvarez and Enzo. That was Scaloni's call, a manager that won the Finalissima, the Copa America, and the World Cup. And Neymar never had a good manager for Brazil at a high level that would match and say, no, Neymar, the priority is not 
you individually. It's the team. It's the group. And that's why Brazil in the past, in 2002, in 98, they had structure. They had veterans. You had Ronald Nazar. You had Adrian. You had players that they would try to go crazy in that locker room. But then you would have a Cafu that would give the tap in the back and say, hey, 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 what's happening? Yeah. What's happening? The experience. And you don't have that. Mm -hmm. You need new no. references in Brazil. New references that hard work is the priority. And winning. Hendrik, yeah. Vinicius, Rodrigo. That's the core that they got to invest in. Bruno Guimarães. That's, they can win something. But it's not with yeah. the managers that are picking. I like Fernandinis, Fluminense. Revolutionary style of play. Fantastic. But not for a Vinicius Jr., for a Casimir, for an Eder Militão. Ancelotti or bust for the World Cup, in my view, for Brazil. It's Ancelotti I'm, or bust. I'm in full agreement with you. Uh, I mean, we're, I know there's a lot of injuries. Casemiro, everything is not back. But um, Marquinhos is by Andre, far, man. Andre. by far, the, the, the most distinguished, obviously, and the most experienced field player outside of, obviously, Allison and Goal. Um, I, I don't know where else the leadership comes from. Uh, Gabriel, Renan Lodi, uh, Bremer, Carlos Augusto, uh, Emerson Royale in the defense. In the midfield, you've got Bruno, who's got 17 caps to his name. Um, and a couple of those are two losses recently to both Uruguay and Colombia. Um, and I, I just, I'm looking at this here. Their highest scorer is Marquinhos hey, man. Hey, on their man. roster right now. Oh, Gabi Jesus. Okay. Gabi Jesus. But Gabi Jesus. Gabi Jesus. Not enough. And then Marquinhos. Not enough. Not enough. Gabriel Jesus for Brazil. I think a lot of people think that he's not the proper striker because of past World Cups experience. Okay. And this is yeah. the thing about Brazil. This is the weakest Brazil team I've ever seen in terms of fullbacks and striker. I know Richarlison, Matos Cunha, Gabriel Jesus, they're all there. Pedro, uh, Gabigol, but they have to invest in who's going to be world class or it's Vitor Roque or Hendrik. Start them regardless of anything. If I know Palmeiras mm -hmm. might not start them, might not start Hendrik all the time, but Brazil absolutely should because that's where they can make something happen and win a World Cup with a striker that's that's been their mo the biggest well, lack that I've seen. In the past World Cup, um, Richarlison was good. <laughs> but if you see the team in 2002, you had three people up top that could score goals. Ronaldo Nazario, oh, yeah. uh, Rivaldo. You, you had people that could put the ball in the back yeah. of the net if it was needed. And you don't get that feeling now. Yeah. So that's uh, what it has and to feel. It, it doesn't get any better. Um, they're they're going to hope for a uh, very healthy and happy new year coming up because uh, not even a couple of days away, they are hosting Messi and Argentina uh, in Rio. So um, <laughs> heading into the new year, uh, when it comes to qualifying with a losing record, potentially, Horrible. if they can't get it done in Brazil, and I think they can at least force a draw here, but this is pretty scary stuff because Argentina is coming off of losing at home and they're not going to want to do uh, yes, I, they're going to want a, a little bit of revenge, right? Uh, but Brazil, this is their form as of late. They drew Venezuela at home, okay? Then they lost to Uruguay in Uruguay. They lost to Colombia in Colombia. And now they've got to return home against Argentina and Messi after having lost at the Bamanera. So um, I don't know if uh, either – do you start Endrick in this particular you situation? Do. You start. 
You start wow. Hendrik. You must start Hendrik wow. because Hendrik, the reason why he's co- is the youngest player to be called up for the Brazil national team since Ronaldo Nazario yeah. in 1993 is because Hendrik is there to deliver goals, to de- deliver something that is not there. He has to make it happen. Brazil need a goal scorer. They don't have it. Vinicius Jr. is a playmaker, a creator. He needs a provider. And Hendrik or Vitor Hock will be those guys. I believe that will be the mm. case. But let us know down below what are your uh, what are your thoughts about Brazil, Uruguay, all the national team talk that we had in this podcast. Let us know in the YouTube comment section what you are thinking. But we mentioned mm. Dominic Chabaslai briefly, but big time because he deserves it. And we're going to mention rating transfers that happened last summer that are this season performing well badly but who we believe should have a rating and we should dedicate that rating in a youtube video i'm gonna start here so with a player that is my only 10 out of 10 no i have two players that are 10 out of 10s and they're both english For me, the best transfers that happened last summer that are tens out of tens in terms of evaluation have to be Jude Bellingham to Real Madrid and Harry Kane to Bayern Munich. Harry Kane is the best replacement possible for Lewandowski at Bayern Munich and Jude Bellingham was has an ex- exceeded the uh, Jude Bellingham for me exceeded was what, what was expected for him at the start at Real Madrid. He was an immediate yeah. impact, and he's one of the best, if not the best midfielder in the world since his turn at Galactico. Uh, best mm-hmm. player in the month of August, September, and mm-hmm. now October of Real Madrid. And that is mad in well, his first three months. It, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good introduction to how we're going to score these. Uh, ten would mean the most successful transfer out there and i would 100 percent agree with you jude bellingham harry kane i would add one more to that but he was not one of the most expensive so he's probably not even in this conversation mm. but he'd be a 10 and that'd be victor boniface i don't right? give a 10 to uh for, for sure output you don't give him a 10 i think grimaldo i think grimaldo was a better transfer than boniface because he was a free transfer Ooh. i'd maybe give okay. a 10 to grimaldo and boniface a 9 mm. out of 10 come on give me that give okay. me that come on Brett. I mean, I mean, Grimaldo. That that's a that's a masterstroke for sure. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of and I, and, what's going on here, but, and with Leverkusen, because yeah. we're talking Leverkusen here, I would give mm-hmm. a t- uh, I would give a nine out of ten for Grimaldo at mm-hmm. Bayer Leverkusen in a transfer rating. I would give also a nine out of ten for Boniface uh, going to Leverkusen, and I would give an eight out of ten to Granit Xhaka, the engine of the yeah. midfield of Bayer Leverkusen, one of the players with most progressive passers, if not the player with most progressive passers in the top five leagues. He is the engine of Xabi Alonso. So eight out of well, 10, gonna, leaving 15 yeah. million, mate. 15 million. Yeah. Well, then you're going to have to throw an eight or a nine on Jonas Hoffman as well. Mm. Um, almost, almost every one of those signings, except for maybe Nathan Tella, um, has uh, been pretty ingenious so far or pretty uh, on point this season, especially when you compare it to some of the other Bundesliga clubs. Um, obviously, Bayern has their one massive one with Harry Kane. Well, it's a dang good thing that that worked out because it would have been a little bit embarrassing if it didn't. Um, but then you go over to like Leipzig and you've got Xavi Simmons way up there. He's got to be a nine, right? Xavi Simmons nine for Xavi Simmons? No, for, for PSG, for me, uh, getting yeah. Xavi Simmons for six well, million is a 10 out of 10 business from PSG. <laughs> but, but yes, but then you contrast that with Sesco, right? What would you give Sesco? 
I would, Benjamin Sasko. I would. Uh, I, uh, yeah. For for there, there, there is a clip. Immediate. There is a clip somewhere back there that you thought if he got enough playing time, he might be double digits, let alone upwards, closer to fighting for the golden boot at some point. But um, he's clearly not it's not true. the primary striker um, at Leipzig right now. And, and because it, it, Openda has come in. And, and it's yeah, ironic. On. Openda for Belgium, mm-hmm. non-existent. Openda for <laughs> RB Leipzig, balling out. Chesko for <laughs> RB Leipzig, not the best, but he's still involved. But Chesko for national team, the best player of his national team. So the contrast is very real. But I'm going to say maybe immediate impact. I'll give easily an 8 out of 10 rating um, to Openda and a 7 okay. out of 10 to Chesko. But I believe in three, five years' time, Benjamin Chesko will be a better striker than Louis Openda. And I, I love Openda, okay. but I just love the, the finishing on Chesko and the dribbling to match his size too. When he gets a okay. physique well, like Darwin, mm-hmm. imagine Chesko. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you, but I, I still have him down. He's five. He's firmly like hasn't gotten off the ground five. yet. Uh, we really don't. We really don't know anything about Benjamin Sesco in a Leipzig shirt um, at this moment. He's done nothing to offend me, but he has done nothing to impress me. Hey. So we will. Uh, we will see. And I've, I'm going to go uh, another. Wait, another wait, question wait, wait, for wait, you wait, here. wait. It's like if you give him a five. Chris Bognarter yeah. will be what a two? Uh, who? Chris Bognarter, the Austrian midfielder. Oh, Baumgartner, Baumgartner. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, no, I mean he's played he's played a little more of a role for them. Uh, but no, he'd be he'd be firmly like he four or play. five at this moment. He doesn't play. But he wasn't Jamie necess- Simmons. But he, but he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't nece- he wasn't signed. He was signed more for depth, not exactly to go in there. Now I thought he's million. good enough if. If one of them, yeah, yeah, it's still a great signing because he's young. Um, if if one of them were to fall, um, I mean, he's going to act as a Sabitzer once did for them. Mm. He's going to act um, in that realm. So I think for for what the expectation was, but we you, we bought Sesco, right? Leipzig bought Sesco for a different reason, um, and it hasn't necessarily happened, which is why it's five. I hey, mean, yeah. I'm not talking like a one like Jota. Uh, hey. Here. How much would you rate Amrabat so for Man United? Because oh, Amrabat I, I, came I, with high expectations, yeah. one of the best players from Morocco, if not the best player of Morocco. I'm going to give him a 5 out of 10 to Amrabat. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's right a lot of talent, but he hasn't come in and started immediately. I've seen him even play at left back. No, and it just goes to show you uh, that could be Ten Hag and the way he plays and the personnel. It could be the injury list. It could be all sorts of things. But I'm right there with you. Um, if we thought you were going to get uh, Morocco mm-hmm. Amrabat um, and not Fiorentina Amrabat, then I, I think we're all, I, I don't know, naive, I guess. Uh, there are different players for club side and inter- uh, international side, and Amrabat is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the most, if not the most important player uh, for Morocco in that run uh, and literally almost killed himself doing it because he was everywhere for them. He, he's not necessarily called upon to be that for uh, Manchester United, even though with these injuries he kind of is, playing everywhere for them. So I'm with you. I, I think that one hasn't even launched off yet, and I don't know with the uh, the laundry list of injuries they've got if we're ever going to see Amrabat in you know, more than a utility role uh, for them. Just play where I need you to play because we have no other position players. And, and um, I'm mentioning but, Amrabat, but more, Mason Mount. Mm-hmm. What that's would, one. I mean... Uh, one! Mason Mount... Uh, one? 
you said one for I, Mason I, Mount. No, I said one for Jota. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if Jota's a number one, uh, you know, one out of ten being the lowest um, and the worst and an absolute dud, I mean, Mount's got to be a three at this moment. If we ranked James Madison, Dominic Shabazzlite, and Mason Mount in terms of importance for this transfer window, I'm 100% putting James Madison first. What an impact he had for Tottenham. Dominic Shabazzlite second. Aye, because Shabazzlite, immense impact too. But James Madison has been unreal. And number three, 100% Mason Mount. It's been... It's been, I don't want to say embarrassing, but he's underachieving big time. Mason Mount for the price tag. It's an an indictment more on Manchester United's recruitment. Um, You know, Mason Mount was a fine player for Chelsea. Uh, Probably still is a fine player. He's also young. Who has been Um, worse? Mason Mount for United or Kai Havertz for Arsenal? Well, Kai Havertz, the left back, or Kai Havertz, the uh, you know, I need I need to know what position. The midfielder, the forwards, uh, <laughs> the center back in future. I have no idea. <laughs> Even you Mason know, Mount I too. Know. Like they say, he's going to be uh, a winger maybe in the future. Yeah, and both of them came for uh, pretty high price. Sixty tags million Mount, seventy-five Havertz. So, Seven. Kai Havertz is right right in there. I got to say. Uh, he might be closer to a two. <laughs> I can't call him a one. If one is Jota, remember, I can't call him a one. Uh, but uh, he's certainly not what Arsenal came to expect. And I think that was a scenario where I fell into that as well with Kai Havertz. There was the expectation that, okay, if anyone's going to unlock him, um, his positional acuity, his ability to shift, um, it really depends on what do you want Kai Havertz to do for you um, mm-hmm. and, and you know then focus on that, like work backwards from there. And uh, that never really materialized for Arteta. And now Arteta just doesn't really know what the hell to do with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Or he's figured out that maybe he's a whole lot more of a limited player um, than we ever gave him credit for. And everyone wants him to go back to being the Leverkusen um, Havertz, but that's, you can't take, can't put the genie back in the bottle. No, Um, So uh, Kai Havertz would be a two in my book, Um, but I'm going (laughs) to throw one out there for you because, because Chelsea obviously is, it's a tough go of it, even though there's a little positive momentum moving forward here. We'll see. We'll see if it long may it continue, right? Mm-hmm. But I've got to start first with their fulcrum, with their leader in the midfield. Mm-hmm. What would you rate from 1 to 10, 1 being Jota, 10 being Jude Bellingham? What would you rate Enzo Fernandez to Chelsea at this moment in time? A 6. A 6. A 6? Is ver- okay. he's, he, because I know he's got the talent, but he's got in, for a long time a double pivot that has been questionable. And now with Caicedo, little by little is growing. But the truth is, mm-hmm. the best midfielder of Chelsea right now is Conor Gallagher, and it's not Enzo Fernandez mm. that cost 120 million. So he is wow. underperforming, but I think long term, everything will change. Everything will change. I uh. thought, I really thought, Bretton, you were setting me up for Cole Palmer. How much you how, <laughs> how much you would rate Cole Palmer for the transfer from Man City to Chelsea? Well, considering the amount of money they spent on him, um, it 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 felt even rich for Todd Bowley to mm-hmm. be throwing out money, which is hysterical to say that. Uh, and I know there's always that English tax that people like to throw about, but you don't throw it at somebody that has barely played unless you saw something in him. Joe Shields. Um, Joe you Shields. thought could give you away. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, already 
even I, I wouldn't put it higher than say an eight or a nine simply because of the money spent. So I'd put him firmly at a seven, but like a rising seven. We obviously know. It, but the fact of the matter is, is this kid is already taking penalties for them. He's already in pressure moments uh, for them. You already every time he gets the ball on his feet, you're expecting something fun from him, mm -hmm. which is uh, some a quality that Chelsea needs. Um, no, and, and we didn't talk so I, before I'm this. Rising seven. You did. We didn't talk yeah. before this, and I have Cole Palmer a solid seven before uh, before wow. you said this because Cole Palmer took a risk and he took the right risk by going to Chelsea. Joe Shields trusted him. This one of the one of the main people that makes the decisions at Chelsea that was brought from Man City. Okay, and in the past, this man brought Romeo Lavia to Man City, and now guess who brought him to Chelsea too? But uh, that's a whole right. other conversation. But Cole that's Palmer. Cole Palmer made the right decision by going to Chelsea. He's got four goals scored right now. I know it's four penalties, but he's constantly involved in terms of playmaking. The truth is, if he was at Man City right now, replacing Mahrez, he wouldn't have been called up for England, probably. And now, being one of the main people at Chelsea, he's called up for England with Southgate. So keep going bold, Cole Palmer. That is a 7 yep. out of 10 transfer rating for me and I because this is a well, transfer uh special I wanted to say to the uh, listeners because I think it's educational too to say this Man City are a team that are efficiently run Man City are in a constant rebuild to win every year and that's why we saw last transfer window Ortega phenomenal keeper for free Alvarez Haaland for me, 10 out of 10 business for those two. And now, mm -hmm. two 9 out of 10s ratings for me transfers. Doku and Joshko Gvardiol to Man City. That's funny. Once again, they get it right. And they two 9 out of 10 transfers for me. Jeremy Doku and Joshko Gvardiol. Because they're immediate impacts. And they represent the uh present and the future of Man City with Pep Guardiola. Or even without two. Because Gvardiol can play right. left back and center back. At a high level, but but you you hit the nail on the head there because it, it it is you you use the term immediate impact. I use the term smooth transition in the sense that Josco Cavardiol came in. Yeah, okay, so he made a mistake, whatever, in the yeah. club game the other day. Okay, but has there been a quieter transition into one of the most deep and one of the best defenses in all of continental Europe, if not the world? Right. The best. Um, has there been such a quiet but expected transition that not a peep, really? Josco Gavardiol came in. There's no Harry Maguire moments, really. There's nothing. He's just, it's as if he's been there for five seasons, mm -hmm. right? And that in and of itself is probably more of a testament to the machine, mm -hmm. to to Manchester City uh, and how they do their transfer business. But uh, I've got him as a 9-2 because he hasn't been so flashy uh, that, you know, it, it's almost as if you'd, He's, he is. He's just part of the machine. I don't know how better to say it. Um, so Gavardiol, uh, I only kind of focused on him a little bit because he's easily um, probably the best piece of defensive business of the past summer that's already made good. So we he's both, already a massive part. So we, bo yeah, so we, so bo we both agree the transfer ratings of Jude Bellingham being a 10 out of 10, a Harry Kane being yep. a 10 out of 10, a Joshko Gvardiol yep. and a Jeremy Doku being 9s out of 10, a Cole mm -hmm. Palmer mm -hmm. being a 7 out of 10, a Bonnie Face being a 9 out of 10, and unfortunately a Jota being a 1 out of 10 going to Ali Tihad. Oh my days, Jota. <laughs> 
Oh, those Celtic songs, those yeah. were good times, man. And I and I hope they come back too because Jota is a player with incredible talents. I wanted to mention this transfer in the ratings mm -hmm. that is Victor Gioqueres. Victor Gioqueres, mm -hmm. me and Bretson, we had the chance to see his first game, professional game yes, uh, for Sporting against Vizela, and he was unreal. Everybody around the stadium were pinching themselves, saying, is this really mm -hmm. the truth? Is Gioqueres mm -hmm. this good? And Vitor Gioqueres is really that good. One of the best strikers right now in Europe in terms of form. He's hot in form for in the Portuguese league. I have never seen a striker arrive and be so good at sporting. At sporting. Yeah. 20 million he cost Vitor Gioqueres. And no Portuguese man will be surprised when he leaves. When he leaves yeah. sporting. If it's the next season too. So I uh, wanted well, to say the best striker in the Portuguese league. And one of the best I've seen. In the stadium, Victorio Kerish. I, I think that's a good good shout there. Um, but I, I've got three kind of quick fire ones for you here. Okay. Um, one of them, hits hits you at home before we move on from this. Um, and the hey. other two are ones that I think are kind of dividing. They're a little bit not dividing, divisive. Um, so it hits hits. To go back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna go. We're gonna go quick fire for you. Uh, because I, I do have a controversial take on one of these, I think. I think. We'll <laughs> see. But we'll, we'll go back to Chelsea really quickly because, you know, they bought almost every player on the planet for uh, in, in a very hot minute. Uh, let's go to Nico Jackson. What would you put for him? A six, one to ten. A one to ten, Nico Jackson, I'd give him a six. He's the substitute yeah. striker of a Victor Ozzy arriving. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. But it, I would give him a seven because – to be honest, what the expectation of what they bought him for or what I thought the expectation was, as long as we assume that he is the long-term backup striker or whatever, nope. he's doing his job. Yes, could he finish better? Fine. Moan all you want. But Nico Jackson, I think, um, considering it was the back half of a Villarreal season in La Liga that he asserted himself well and earned himself a hell of a, uh, a move mm -hmm. to Chelsea and uh, to a hell of a project, um, I, I actually give him credit. That's I bold, think man. he will come good and be very strong. So I think seven, maybe even a rising seven for me, because hey. in my assumption of what Nico Jackson should be in the long running, um, I guess expectation of what Chelsea's going to be, I think Nico Jackson has done pretty well to come on in. But, yeah, um, it'd me, be nice if he didn't miss some of those sitters. Nah, so, Britain. six, for seven. Me, We're for actually more aligned. For me, yeah. Nico Jackson doesn't solve the problem. That's why I can't put him above six. The problem's that's still, fine. still I'm there. I'm okay with that. Goals. Yeah, <laughs> I understand it. And that's probably where it's a little divisive, right? Because I really never thought he was supposed to be the person that solved the problem outright. Well said. I thought he'd be part of a part of a platoon um to kind of get that done but obviously injuries have thrust him mm -hmm. so far into the fire that he can't get out right now mm -hmm. um but uh okay another one that's a little bit divisive alexis McAllister to liverpool alexis McAllister, i'll say it's a seven out of ten to liverpool and dominic shabozlai is an eight out of ten to liverpool eight. better player shabozlai i'll put an eight out of ten because that's the jersey he's wearing too <laughs> <laughs> so no okay. but I, I really believe he's the best midfielder i've seen being signed and just having a mm -hmm. great impact from the start in a long time with liverpool yep. so yeah i i think McAllister for me is more of a six um because as as high as i regard him and as good as he was for brighton um 
Mm-hmm. And as good as he was for Argentina in the World Cup, uh, I think it's another instance of where maybe Liverpool expected, I don't know, Argentina McAllister to show up. And uh, he's he's been he's been a little bit inconsistent for them, but I think he's going to come good long long term. Exactly. I think for the 43, they bought him for relatively cheap. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. But I think that one is also a little divisive because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that you know, might actually think uh, somebody else can do it better for Liverpool or that they need to continue to shore up. Um, Gravenberg, let's see. Liverpool. Yeah, let's see. He's been getting a few chances. Okay, last one. This is the one that hits home for you. I know it's kind of a loan to buy type of situation at PSG. Obligation to buy. Obligation to buy at PSG. You know, you already know who I'm going to say. Okay, one to ten rating. Ten being the best, one being the worst. What would you give Gonzalo Ramos at PSG? Gonzalo Rems for the immediate impact. Unfortunately, I'll give a 6 out of 10. But long okay. term, I think it will be a 9 out of 10 for Paris Saint-Germain. They'll definitely need a goal scorer when Kylian Mbappé leaves. And I think Gonzalo yeah. Rems could be that guy. He's got the talents. He's got the finishing. And look how Benfica missed Gonzalo Rems. Not just for the goals, but for the off-ball defensive work he does. Watch out for okay. Gonzalo Rems, the present and the future of Portugal. It's sad, okay. man. Gonçalo Ramos and Enzo yeah. leaving, leaving Portugal, and I have to rate them worst because no, they're I'm, not playing as good as they as they did here. But I do believe that greater times will come. I believe that. Yeah, I, I do too, and I, I believe it's it's uh, a system working against them. I'm not saying Luis Enrique is conspiring against them, but if you look at the strikers they brought in, we can argue until we're blue in the face that Randall Kolomowani has always been overrated and, and certainly probably not worth the price tag that PSG paid for him. I agree. Uh, and that Gonzalo Ramos, um, I just think it's a pure uh, lack of striker mm-hmm. Favorites. I mean, they don't really cross the ball at PSG. Everything's let's dribble it into the box and create something. So you're left with Gonzalo Ramos with two goals in like 750 minutes played, and you're left with Kola Muani um, with three goals. So the fact that none of the strikers are scoring kind of tells me maybe no, it's we, just that we, difference in. We need more yeah, Fabian Ruiz, so. more Dembele. Dembele hasn't put the output that I was expecting in terms of assists at PSG. Yeah. So let's. Okay. It's a wait and see type question. But uh, hey, how much will we wait? Rate Dembele less than less. Th- if if I were to rate Dembele from zero to ten, going to PSG right now, I rate a ten out of ten business for Barca and maybe a less than five business for PSG out of ten because yeah. it's not looking good. A- but let us know. Uh, what yeah. would you? What would you give, Bretton? All right, I'd give him lower than five. Lower <laughs> than five, based on based on the expectation. Absolutely, I think the only positive is they've somehow kept him healthy for a mildly long period of time. Um, but but let that's, us. That's the only good thing. But let us know your choices in, about ratings, transfer ratings that we mentioned in this segment, and don't forget to like this video for more videos just like this. Because we're yep. FC Wonder Kid, we gotta do. We gotta talk about the Under 17 World Cup, and we want to do it with some predictions of the round of 16 that is going through right now. And it's I'm hyped up. I'm hyped up to see what are you're expecting. But at least, people, you'll be leaving this video with a lot more names that you didn't know. So don't forget to like this video and comment down below your favorite player that you have watched in the Under-17 World Cup, if you know any, okay? Because we want mm-hmm. to see the community talking. But talking here, round of 16, and mentioning the players involved in the games, England versus you, you Uzbekistan. England that were in mm. the group of death, maybe, of this World mm-hmm. Cup. 
which the third third place Iran went through. But England faced Brazil and Iran. And yeah. so England against Uzbekistan. What are we thinking here? <laughs> yeah, I, I, they dropped their third group game against Brazil in a tough contest. But um, I think mm. everyone was expecting England to be led by Ethan Waneri, to be led by Chris Rigg. Um, to be led by some of the guys that have seen some time. But once again, it's a Manchester City Academy player, mm. Joel Andala, uh, who's doing most of it. He's leading. He's leading as a winger. He's leading dribble and dribbles completed uh, by almost 10. So it's like 23 to like 13 or something. Um, crushed it in the group stage. He's constantly going at the throat. He's going to probably put Uzbekistan to the sword. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that there's going to be an issue here. England will get through. It's who they play in the next round that's going to be the toughest. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, I, I see. Interesting way of seeing it. And I did think Ethan Waneri was mm -hmm. going to put a lot more numbers than he's actually doing that. Amir Saidor. Look out for Umar Sador in the Uzbekistan team. But yes, I agree. England are going to go through in this game. Next one yep. could be hitting. No, we'll be hitting home. It's the Germany yep. against USA game in the oh. under in the round of 16 of the under 17 World Cup. What I got to say is Germany and the under 17 World Cup have one of the best players in it. No doubt. It's Noah Very. Darvish. Oh, or mm -hmm. you're going to say another person. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. They have Paris Bruner as well, but Noah Darvish very, very clearly has been cream of the crop, would be in my group stage team of the tournament easily. And it's uh, crazy right there in midfield. that Barca mm -hmm. have Noah Darvish and Laminha mm -hmm. Mal that would be eligible to be in the under-17 yeah. World Cup. Laminha Mal that he's scoring in the Spain senior team. But Laminha Mal and Noah Darvish are a future pairing that we could see at wingers. At Barcelona. So I wanted to mention, please, please pay attention to Noah Darvish in this game. He currently has three assists yep. in the competition. And there is a, a youngster, a 15-year-old in the U.S. side, Bretton, yeah. that has three yeah. goals scored, right? Yeah, Nymphasha Bershimas, uh, 15 years old, three goals scored, one of them probably up for goal of the tournament. Um, and yet, unfortunately, I think... The USA are going to bow out in this one the next round simply because of mistakes made in the final group stage game that sees a lot of their backup center backs uh, will be taking the field against guys like Noah Darvish and Paris Bruner. But Nymphasha Bershimas is somebody that has to be watched. Three goals, and he plays for Charlotte FC, um, could make his MLS debut next season. Um, and uh, him along with Cruz Medina, I think, have been the best players for the U.S. in this, but I think Germany's going to be too good. I'm actually picking Germany to go pretty dang far in this one. I mm. think they could even go to the semis, if not the final. Wow. And you got you guys have a really good goalkeeper, too. Uh, Adam, I have yep. your Beaudry. Adam Beaudry. Adam yep. Beaudry. So, yeah, it's, it's being a successful under-17 World Cup for you guys. But you mentioned Barcelona. You mentioned Barcelona, and our leading contender who had to bow out with an injury before this tournament, mm -hmm. right? Uh, his name is Diego Cachin. Uh, he actually plays uh, in La, La Masia mm. um, and is one of their top goalkeeping prospects. Um, and he is widely seen, at least on our side of the pond, as one of the best goalkeeping prospects uh, we've actually ever had. Uh, so the Next fact time. that our, back, our backup... Adam mm -hmm. Beaudry comes in and is one of the best goalkeepers in the tournament. Um, the U.S. have never had a shortage of really good goalkeepers. So it's really nice to, like, see this long continue. Um, it's just a shame 
um, you know, yeah, more than one goalkeeper, more than one goalkeeper can't play uh, when it comes down to things. But yeah, Beaudry has been phenomenal. See him on the rise for Austin FC in the future. But again, back to Germany. That team is good, man. That team is good. And I think they're going to go far. It's true. It's true. I, and I, bo- I, I do pick Germany, too, that are having a terrific Under-17 World Cup. Next game, this is a big one. And if you don't know, Senegal is one of the best mm-hmm. Under-17 African teams in the world, no doubt. And that's why they could surprise people and beat France in this game uh, of the round of 16. France against Senegal, Under-17 World Cup. What do you have here, Breton? Well, I wanted to see this France-Senegal matchup later on, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. But it is not going to be later on, unfortunately. Um, I think France is obviously good. Uh, this is not a strong French side in terms of with all the depth they could have picked from and all the names they could have picked from. Um, but they also haven't conceded a goal all tournament. Um, but Senegal, if they're going to meet a team uh, with attacking prowess that can actually poke holes in them and beat them... You're going to have to watch the two-generation foot players in Amara Diouf and Adrissa Gay, uh, who's up top there. Amara Diouf, who's one of the youngest, if not the youngest, in the tournament. Um, I would love to say that Senegal can upset France here, but I think France is going to be a little too strong for them. Um, but, man, this is, one of, this is like the, the highlight, the one you circle in this round of 16. If you mm-hmm. can watch it, watch this particular game. It's it's it f- for sure, Bretton. I completely agree with what you're saying. In Senegal, with Amara Diouf, Amara Diouf mm-hmm. is nominated for the, the uh, for I Amara Diouf is nominated for one of the best African players, uh, best African youngster in 2023. Yep. Amara Diouf is nominated. For people to get a context, Bilal El Kanous, Abde, that was before Barcelona. These players are nominated for Morocco, elite youngsters. And Amara Diouf, and, uh, at 15, he's yeah. already played for Senegal as uh, first team. And he scored a yeah. brace in the first game in the Under-17 World Cup. This is one of the it's biggest crazy. talents in the Under-17 World Cup, and he's already signed for Mets. So please pay yeah. special attention to Amara Diouf. And if you want a football manager hack, just go to Generation Foot in, in, uh, in Senegal and sign whoever they got there. <laughs> right. And and you'll have a bunch of great young players. Um, but no, I, I, between Gay and uh, Diouf, um, uh, two more products from from that team. Uh, Diangu mm-hmm. uh, at Senegal also deserves a shout out because he has been their rock in the midfield. And we haven't even really talked about France. I mean, Tinkre scored two goals against us. They were kind of tap ins. They weren't really that special, uh, but it has been their defense. And one of their best players is me. I'm going to screw up his name. Mupyu, Mupyu, hmm. big center back. I think he plays for Nantes, um, but uh, he has led that clean sheet, three clean sheets in a row in the group stage um, against, Seneg- uh, against Senegal, against the U.S., against South Korea, and against Burkina Faso. Um, so, yeah, this is one of the ones that, that we're going to watch. But the most exciting player very clearly in this matchup is Amara Diaf. Um, and where does he go next? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And we got to watch this France-Senegal team because of just that. Another one of that course. has a strong African team, in my view, is Mali against Mexico. That I'm going to go mm-hmm. bold and say I believe Mali is going to win this game against Mexico. Mali have a great midfield people. Amdio yes. Makalu. Ma- uh, Makalu, mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. Ibrahim Diara. 
great two midfielders that everyone at home should start paying attention because Mali has talent. And if they beat Mexico, I'm sure a lot more people will be looking. And Mexico with Stefan Carrillo too. Not a bad player mm -hmm. against New Zealand. I was shook. Some really good highlights on him. I think he scored two goals and had an assist yeah. in that game. Um, Mexico woke up at the right time. They woke up in that third game. So who knows? They can go into this <laughs> and uh, I don't know, maybe take a take some fatigue because these games have been played pretty back to back. But Makalu that you mentioned for Mali mm -hmm. uh, has probably been on the short list. Top three players in this whole tournament so far. He's been that good for them. But uh, one you're going to want to watch in this game for Mexico is a Mexican-American that plays for the Charleston Battery. Um, and uh, he has been one of the best. He's just named the best young player in the USL Championship. Um, and his name is Fidel Barajas. And he scored uh, in that third game. So if there's somebody that's going to disrupt Mali, who I think will also win this, um, it's going to be Fidel Barajas. Mm, no. Okay, so but I'm gonna go with Mali though, Bretson. I still believe Mali are gonna be winning this one. And Morocco versus Iran. I'm gonna go here with a, a shocker one too because Iran, if you don't know, Iran under 17 in this World Cup, they were with England and with Brazil and they beat Brazil. They were losing 2 1 and they beat Brazil in elite remontada 3 to 2. They unfortunately didn't manage to beat England, they were winning. They were beating England 1-0, but they lost 2-1. <laughs> they lost 2-1, yep. yep. unfortunately. They got through as the best third place. And I believe Iran have the core, have the, the team, have the teamwork to beat this Moroccan team. And I'm going to go so with Iran in this game. It's a bull take. Yeah. Because Morocco's Probably got one talent. Of the best yeah, one of the best goalkeepers uh, in the tournament has been Shakori, um, mm -hmm. the goalkeeper for Iran. Uh, but I'm going to say Morocco in this one because Hamani, uh, Mohamed Hamani and uh, Abdel Hamid Mali have been really, really good in that midfield for them. Um, and come on, you know, like the senior team in front of them, Morocco is going to continue to outperform, play well, come together as a team. I think Morocco is going to going to win this one and uh, actually maybe beat Mali or Mexico in that next round. It's 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 a good midfield battle, but I'm going to go with Amir Mohamed, okay? Good player right, from Iran. Right. Amir Mohamed, okay? And look at this surname. Razaginia? Razaginia? Oh Come on. That's what I call style. <laughs> so well done. Let's well done. I don't, I don't know if you said it right, but well done. <laughs> here with another one with a South American battle here between Ecuador and Brazil. A Brazil team that is constantly evolving and with always with a lot of talent. And my biggest talent to watch in this team, Kawa Kawa. Elias has four goals scored, <laughs> but the biggest star for me is William Stevon. William Stevon, yep. personally, I've seen him for two years now. And in terms of playmaking ability at the wing, he's one of the best mm -hmm. under-17 players in the world. And he's been for a while. Been for a while. If you know Palmeiras' mm -hmm. youth, you know Messi and William Stevon. So I'm going to go for Brazil in this game with Messi and William Stevon finally showing up and having a big game. Against yeah. uh, be, because all the group games for Brazil and England, uh, all the stats are kind of thrown off just because New Caledonia, uh, who deserved to be there, but New Caledonia was in the group. So there were big 9-0 wins and 6-0 wins where they just stacked things up. 10-0, mm -hmm. uh, right? Oh, gosh. Well, not quite 14-0. 
so that's good. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, Brazil has some real tools, um, and their center back. I forget his name, but who's been captaining their side? Uh, I forgot to write it down. Uh, mm-hmm. Reese, I think, um, is is very good for them, and I think we'll get them past Ecuador. But come on, this game is screaming for Kendry Paez to fly in and for um, Endrick to fly in. Can we please get that done? Can we get it done? Because I, I believe that they're eligible. I could be wrong. Um, but uh, Ecuador is going to need... Vitor Nunes. Oh, thank you. Nunes. That's, that was his name. Yep. Uh, and he's been good. Uh, he was very good, I thought, versus England. Um, but mm-hmm. they really haven't put together a phenomenal team performance except in that game versus England. So uh, I think Brazil can obviously go far. Um, but I think there's a better better team that's going to win this thing mm, i go brazil too in this one and since we're talking okay. brazil it makes sense to talk about argentina argentina that for me argentina in terms of forwards they're so yep. stuck in this team argentina against venezuela i think it's going to be a big win by argentina that you got to remember the name of Echeverri. Echeverri mm-hmm. is one of the best young yep. wingers out there captain too yes mm-hmm. and acuna um Valentino Acuna, too. Very good winger. Mm-hmm. Very good player. Yep. And on the other side, Venezuela's got David Martinez, who a lot of clubs want. Mm-hmm. A lot of clubs want, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I think Echeverri uh, will lead the way, even though they had a slow, sluggish start as well. Uh, you know, like and, the senior squad. And right Agustin now. Roberto um, scored for against Senegal, mm-hmm. Japan, and Poland. One goal. There you go. There you go. How, how consistent of him. But this is where the real fun <laughs> happens. This, sec- this last game... Uh, and the winner of this plays the winner of Germany and the USA. Uh, this is another one that I'm really sad that it's this early on in the round of 16 because Spain and Japan um, have been phenomenal, you know? And Spain is Barca Central, um, mm-hmm. and Japan has a super sub coming off the bench that is scoring all the goals for them and is co-leader in Golden Boots, a Golden Boot, the Golden Boot race, and he literally has only started one of the three games and that's mm. rento takaoka um they also have one of the best goalkeepers but spain man come on mm-hmm. i've fallen in love with i think uh two players on the spanish team since watching them already and i know you have two right two barca um, players who's your favorites paul prima and hector fort i love those there two. there you go love those two the the luck that barca has Mar- uh laminia mal not being there but they still have a huge impact in that Spanish national team. Like, I, I love Dave. to see it. La Masia is the core of Spain. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I would say Hector Fort, um, next to the aforementioned Hamadou Makalu from uh, Mali, is up there in the top three for best players in the tournament so far. From right back, he's created for them. He's Obviously, they've been pretty good defensively. Um, and uh, I think Spain is a dark horse to win this thing. Uh, not dark horse. I think they're one of the favorites to mm-hmm. win this thing. The only issue is, is Japan is like workmanlike, and they don't really know you don't know much about these guys. A lot of these Japanese players are not picked up by J-League squads. They're mm-hmm. not really um, known quantities in any way, shape, or form. Most U-17 players aren't. But the fact that they're not really in academies is pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And Rento Taka, Takaoka, 
is one of those players. He has not been picked up by a J-League team. And I bet you there are Belgian Belgian League teams right now that are just salivating at the thought of maybe bringing him in to an academy uh, in Belgium to let him roll like Matoma before them and, and others uh, of that nature. But uh, it, th- this is one of the one battles where I think the winner of this goes pretty dang far in this tournament. Mm-hmm. We'll I, I think Spain will be winning this game. I believe the team knows themselves very well. And it's like what? Barca players is more than 50% of the starting team. So I'm going to yeah. go with the Pau Prim Masterclass, one of the best midfielders, under 17 midfielders out there at Barca. And yeah, Spain winning this game. But I, I believe yeah, in yeah. terms of top contenders, I think Brazil has the talent to be the top contender. Germany, mm-hmm. Argentina, and I say Mali is in the talk of maybe surprising the world and winning the under-17 World Cup. It wouldn't surprise us, yeah. Ratson, right? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, it, we, we know that uh, when it comes to the U-17 level, you've got some of the most talented players coming from a lot of these African teams, and it's just whether or not they take that next step in their development um, beyond that. But Nigeria has won, I think, five of these. Uh, five of these U-17 World Cups. Uh, so, you know, considering that a lot of the rest of Africa has caught up, uh, Senegal, uh, Mali, um, heck, Morocco in this, I really, I, I agree with you. I think one African team will be in the semifinals. That's for dang sure. Shout, shout out um, to Indonesia in this Under-17 World Cup, scoring their first goal in an Under-17 World Cup and also playing their first game in the Under-17 World Cup. It could be the start of a better generation of Indonesian football. And we love to see that changing in football. But let us know down below, who are the wonder kids that we didn't mention? Who are the stars of the Under-17 World Cup? And who are the stars that you got to know in this video too? Don't forget to like this video and go bold in the comment section. If you're listening to episode 132, thank you so much for going bold with us another week and let us know in the comment section topics that you would like to see in this podcast we bought uh we brought the ratings of transfers we mentioned more of the under 17 and we also talked of the top goal score of 2023 let us know what you want us to talk about and thank you thank you so much for going bold with us and another week thank you people